Let's go in-depth on Hawkeye Sports with the Des Moines Register. It's time for Hawk Central, powered by G. Miggs 5th Street Pub on 1460 KXNO. Tell you what, I got to hanker him for some G. Miggs, a little uh, Pride of Iowa wrap, G. Miggs burger. Hit him on up. Chad Lysica, what's up, buddy? How you doing, man? Fantastic. Welcome, welcome to Huck Central, uh, Chris Williams. Hopefully, I don't turn off the majority of your listeners. No, no, everyone. He's he's okay. He's okay. <laughs> I feel Hang like I us. do. Feel like I do okay when I'm on. You here. do. You and what I like about when you host the show is you do watch the Hawkeye games with I an do. objective eye. So yeah, it's not like you're coming in here throwing flames. No, from, I'm not. I'm not. Names. That was a. I'm not doing that. I vowed to never do that. <laughs> really um, entertaining game. From start to finish on on Saturday night, I know it didn't go the way Iowa fans who were probably listening to this game wanted it to go, but we'll we'll hash a lot of that out. First of all, I, I do want to welcome uh, Mark Emmer, fellow Minnesota Vikings fan, who's licking his wounds as well. <laughs> Hello, Mark. How are you? Why did you bring that up? Well, I, I'm glad he did. Actually, stop it, <laughs> Mark. Um, uh, do you guys know Mitch? Do you know Mitch Woodmeyer? He's hosted the yeah. show before. Mitch is I've here with us. I've been on twice before. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Mitch is an open Hawkeye fan, so he kind of can fill the the shoes of Ross. We got a nice little roundtable mm-hmm. here today. All right, let me. I'm going to ask you guys both the same question. Wisconsin won. Chad, are you convinced that Wisconsin is a better football team than Iowa? No, but uh, but obviously they did what champion teams do, and they won a tough game in the fourth quarter. I mean, Iowa. Mm-hmm. I, I told you this off the air. I think Iowa was the better team for three quarters. Wisconsin was the better team in the fourth quarter, and obviously mm-hmm. that's when, when the majority of this game was decided. Now, obviously, we can get into all the mistakes Iowa made in quarters one, two, and three that led to the <laughs> them losing in the fourth. But even all that said, they still had Wisconsin pinned at the twelve yard line with four and a half minutes to go yeah. and end the lead in the fourth quarter, even after everything they did wrong. So. I'll be fascinated to see where this Wisconsin season goes. I think they're going to win the Big Ten West because other than Michigan and Penn State, their schedule is pretty manageable. Um, but I also am curious to see where this Iowa team goes because I do think they showed that they could be a 9 or 10 win team. Yeah, I, I feel the same. I, I felt like they, by losing that game in the way that they did, Mark, the – the season just changed because now you lose that tiebreaker to Wisconsin. I felt if they won that game, they realistically could be looking at a season like we saw a few years ago where when you look at their schedule, I mean, you have the game at Penn State, which is, you know, you're going to be an underdog in that one. But the the, the whole vibe, they could go 10-2 and two here. They could even go 11-1, and one, but everything changed by, by losing that game on Saturday night. Yeah, I absolutely agree, and I think that's kind of uh, I think why we're getting some of the reaction we're getting from the fan base. That people are really, really upset about this one because it was a winnable game, and I think you just laid it out perfectly what the stakes are. Now they got to try to make up two games in the standings against Wisconsin. Obviously, they can't go undefeated anymore, uh, and that was a possibility with the schedule. And uh, so, yeah, the whole complexion of the season changed, and now they got a bye week to think about it a little bit more. And uh, it's, it's a tough one to swallow, but I think one thing that we saw, maybe the one thing I would give Wisconsin the advantage of over over Iowa, and I thought it was a very evenly played game, was you could tell which team had been in, in the bigger environment and which quarterback had been, because uh, when, when they needed to make plays, they made all the plays, and uh, that's something that, that comes with experience. I think they're like 13-1 and one in their last 14 road games or something like that. You could just tell that, that uh, they were not particularly 
intimidated by that environment or that setting. Yeah, no, that that that's very fair. Mitch made a point. Uh, I'm going to let him bounce it off of you guys. You said something along the lines on Monday that you'd rather Iowa get blown out in that game. Not necessarily like 45 nothing, but I'd rather... Make this point to these guys. Let's see what they think. Yeah, because they might be on the polar opposite side of it. I, I said I'd rather have Iowa, as a Hawkeye fan, I'd rather have Iowa lose that game like 31-10, look not awful but not so great, and have my mindset be, well, Iowa's still a little ways off than have them look like the better team for three quarters and then lose in gut-wrenching fashion. Now, that's just me, and I understand the other <laughs> side completely. Like I know there's the majority might be on the other side, but me personally, I would have rather had them lose that game 31-10 and be like, well, Iowa can still have a pretty good season, but it's probably not going to be a special one. Whereas now I'm like, man, they, they beat Wisconsin. This team looks legit as heck, and who knows what happens now because they end up losing that game. So I sit on the other side where I would have rather had it be 31-10 although I get the other side of the coin completely. Well, uh, I, I am on the other side here on this one because uh, Iowa, despite kind of bumbling on offense at the very end of that game, uh, even all that said, they still averaged seven and a half yards of play against that Wisconsin defense. Yeah. After a year ago, they averaged one yard, 1.1 yard per play against the Wisconsin defense. I mean, I saw certainly a lot of progress um, – the offensive line um, dominated that game for Iowa. Uh, obviously, you can go back to lots of play calls maybe that could have been different toward the end when they needed to churn out some first downs and they threw incomplete instead. Uh, but I am I would say, Mitch, on the, I would be on the opposite side because now you know – maybe you don't know this, but at least on Saturday night they were even with Wisconsin. Yeah, they pulled even – last year it wasn't even close. Yeah, that's a good point. And I, even two years ago it wasn't that close, honestly, in, at Kinnick Stadium, even though it was 17-9. To me, that was, those are two mismatches. This year it was close. It and stings more. It sti- oh, obviously, yeah, yeah. it stings more. It's one, you know, it's, it's one of the most you know, uh, difficult losses, I think, for this program to handle. The most difficult for sure since the Big Ten Championship game. In 2015, so can I have a hot take? Yeah, yes, please. I don't, I don't think Paul Chris is that good of a coach. <laughs> no, I really well. don't. Listen, no, I, I think that that's one of those programs, and, and and I make the point that Iowa's trending in a direction that will surpass Wisconsin eventually because of Chris being at the helm. I think a lot of guys could go there and go eight and four, nine and three, by what Barry Alvarez had established, and I. That BYU game was shocking to me, mm-hmm. and and we haven't talked enough about them laying an egg as a 27-point favorite at home to BYU, and I know that they bounced back and beat Iowa. I'm talking long-term. I do think Iowa is in a trajectory that's better than where Wisconsin is going. Boom, I dropped <laughs> the hot take. I've never been a Paul Chris guy, and that was an inexcusable loss that could potentially keep them out of com- the conversation for the college football playoff, although I don't think it will, and I, I don't think that they'll beat Michigan or Penn State. They're going to end up 9-3. and three. You're coming in hot. I'm sorry. I don't. I, and if you've listened to this show a lot, I've, I've been consistent on that. I don't know. Mark, you, you gave a, quite the reaction on the phone <laughs> when I said that. What do you think about that? Well, they were 13-1 and one last year, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Has this state ever had a team go thirteen and one? Well, the Hawkeyes did not that long ago. Well, the twelve, not and quite one. twelve and one. Yeah, now, twelve and two. Twelve and two. 
The, no, the, 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 no, Michigan State and then Stanford Rose oh, Bowl. Oh, they forgot. I forgot about Michigan yeah. State. I was just thinking about the Rose Bowl. Okay. Hey, listen. I'm just saying. I bet if a lot of coaches went to Wisconsin in the Big Ten West in that setting, they could cruise to a ten and two record. And it's it's more difficult to do at Iowa. I think, Chris, uh, we're seeing some um, uh, we're seeing some cracks in the armor. There you go, Margie. Yeah. No. That that could be. Uh, time will tell. What here? Okay, I'll just jump in. I'm, I, I'm not totally against that theory. Now, uh, I'm not backing it up very well, <laughs> but I, I do think that. Um, but but I will say that he'll get fired. Uh, what what makes it frustrating, I think, from the Iowa side of things is the West is kind. Of, and I wrote this after the game on Saturday. Uh, the West is is kind of a mess this year. I mean, Northwestern has yeah. lost at Act to Akron at home. Nebraska's lost to Troy at home and looks terrible illinois is bad again uh who am I forgetting? Again, Minis- I mean, bad, yeah. minnesota, yeah, I mean, minnesota yeah. just got drilled fraud by maryland flag. yeah he i mean fraud he and, is he's fraudulent no no, no right? i'm talking about minnesota yeah i know i want to clarify my, no, i my agree stance. with you though yeah. and purdue you know actually might be the third best team in the west I and agree. they started 0 and three yeah so i'm just saying so that's why it's just such a missed opportunity because i do think nebraska is gonna get well they're gonna have to be better than they are now at some point um, I do think Fleck at least could get it going a little better than he's got now. I mean, and and Brom's a good coach at Purdue. I think the Big Twin West, yeah, the, and Fitzgerald's not going to be down every. I mean, their he's new got facilities one year down and next. So I'm just saying, this year the Big Ten West was so winnable. Yeah, and you had this game at home, you had it kind of won, and so every year is going to be different. Maybe maybe Chris is on the downturn, but I also think the West is going to get stronger. I would agree with that. In general, over the next couple of years. It almost Northwestern will be good next year, won't they? they when they get that, that quarterback in? Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I think that this is just a... I mean, Minnesota's got a freshman QB. Purdue's got... That freshman receiver's just unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> and it, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on Nebraska, too. We're all getting our licks in now. I, he, I do think he'll turn that around. Now, he's not going to win national nev- titles. He there. may never get to beating Ohio State annually. In the Would it be shocking game. if he gets to Nebraska back to 9-3, and 10-2? No, absolutely not. No, absolutely not. Yeah. Um, 515-284-5966. Sorry about that, Doug. We were just going to click on you and, and, and let you contribute to the program. It's Hawk Central here with the Des Moines Register on 1460 KXNO. So, Let's do a roundtable on that, if you don't mind, because Mitch and I have debated this all week. Who's the third best team in the Big Ten West right now? Yeah, I definitely would say Purdue. I After mean, what they did to Boston College? Yeah, just because they really weren't that far off in those first three games. Uh, totally shot themselves in the foot against Eastern Michigan, which that game was played in the rain. Purdue actually lost that game despite rushing for like 350 yards. I mean, they averaged like eight yards a carry in the game. I have no idea how they lost. Uh, and then they almost beat Missouri – um and they they do get Iowa in West Lafayette later this year and and uh, that would be a game and that, I think that guy's a good coach Jeff Brown's a good coach so I would go them three uh I still probably go Northwestern four but I think there's a drop there and then Minnesota Nebraska Illinois you got Minnesota ahead of Nebraska even for now yeah at I least mean, they've won some I mean games. Nebraska hasn't won a game once Mart I mean Nebraska, Minnesota started three and zero and Marks our our resident. Minnesota resident or yeah. native, so yeah. maybe he, he'd like to weigh in on this. I think Illinois is ahead of Nebraska right now. Ooh, that's a hot take. Well, I was thinking about this today, though. Is Why is Nebraska favored over Purdue this weekend? No, they're not. 
Oh, they're not? It's three and a half. Excuse me. By three and a half. Okay, I thought Nebraska was favored, no. and I was like, why in the hell is that the case? That doesn't make any sense. Produced by three and a half, which is a stunning line. That tells you how, how – and it's at Nebraska. Yeah. And Martinez is healthy. So Interesting. Uh, 515-284-5966. Anthony, welcome to Hawk Central here on 1460 KXNO. Hey, how you guys doing this evening? Good. How are you, Anthony? Oh, pretty good. I just got back to my parents' house for uh, for dinner and everything. I was oh, great. Trying to try it here. Awesome. Hope you had a good time, bud. Yeah, I sure did. So. <laughs> yeah, what's on your mind, Anthony? Well, my, my question is: with the only, I know it's kind of early with the season there today. I know the, the Wisconsin game was like, kind of like a huge letdown. But my question is to you: Does Iowa still has a chance to win the Big Ten championship with only one loss? I'll uh, hang up and listen and uh, go hot. Thanks, guys. Th- yeah, thanks, Anthony. Appreciate your phone call. Well, it gets tricky, Chad, because of that, that tiebreaker. I mean, Wisconsin yeah. basically got two on Iowa on Saturday night. Nah, that's we've, We talked about it like all summer long. We said that's yeah. that's the game for the Big Ten West. So Now, Anthony, you can keep your hopes up for now, though, because uh, you know if you want to just go straight math – if Paul Chris sucks like I say he does. <laughs> if Chris is right, he's going to lose at Penn State, at Michigan, and probably another one, right? He's probably going to lose at Northwestern or Purdue or somebody. Yeah. That's if Chris is right. Now, here's the other thing. If maybe, maybe Iowa is a pretty darn good team, maybe, and they play seven of the last eight games against teams they'll be favored against. Okay, so now they usually don't win all those. But let's say they do. That's ten, ten wins there. That's a big if. And I'm not. I'm. I'm not going to rule out that they beat Penn State this year. Iowa. Yeah. And that I'm not saying they would run the table, but. Yeah. I. It's such a big revenge spot. Penn. It's a. It's a major middle spot for Penn State. I can't remember the schedule exactly, but it's. It's one of those spots where you could see Penn State. Looking past, they may have Michigan the next week or the week before, something like they're that. They're at Michigan the following. Yeah, week. there it is. I've had real concerns about Penn State legitimacy, Kurt- only in the sense when you lose. And this was my concern about Iowa heading into this year, and I feel like they've been better than I thought they would be in the sense when you lose a Saquon Barkley. That's a guy. That's an Iowa State David Montgomery, where you can have an average line and a guy makes your line look better than it is. And I thought that Akram Wadley was that type of a player for Iowa last year, which he was. But they've done some nice. I think the line's gotten a lot better from last year to now. But when you lose Barkley, you lose your offensive coordinator. Man, like I know McSurley's a nice player, but he's not Sam Darnold out there, right? He's not Kyler wow. Murray out there, and. I don't know. I think that we'll learn a lot about them on Saturday night. I, yeah. I do know that, but they've not looked good. They struggled to beat App State. They well, they've they, been putting up points though. Yeah, but they were they were losing yeah. to Illinois in <laughs> the third true. quarter on Friday night. Now I know that they put up the points after that. They haven't been. They have not been a model of consistency though this year. And then my last point would be, let's say, let's just you know, if you're a Hawkeye fan and you want to dream big, yes, they could still win the big. They would have to probably run the table, in my opinion. I'm in, the in my opinion, because I don't think Wisconsin is going to lose three times. Yeah, I wouldn't. I was going to say I think the most realistic option would be, and again, I don't know how realistic it is, but with all the chances out there, it would be Wisconsin losing at Michigan, at Penn State, and Iowa would have to run the table. Yeah. And that sounds 
it might not sound completely far-fetched, but it sounds like, yeah, you're dreaming big, but it's also, to me, the most realistic option because yeah. I don't – even though they lost to BYU, I was out of conference, I don't see Wisconsin losing three games in Big Ten play. So I, I think that's what it would have to be. Wisconsin losing at Michigan, at Penn State, which certainly could Absolutely happen. Could. But then Iowa – that's the that's the side of it that I'm saying you're dreaming a little big. <laughs> Iowa winning out, not slipping up somewhere like at Purdue it's and Indiana, winning at Penn State. Indiana and Purdue it's those, are scarier those other, yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. And I just first of all, let me just say I love that Chris comes on here and calls Paul Chris a fraud. <laughs> There's no way Ross would ever do that. <laughs> ever. I, Which, in my defense, I've been saying that since they hired him. <laughs> and I'm like the the longer he's there, the more we'll see it. Uh, that's my take. I mean he's totally dominated Iowa, but sure. I just has he done it or is the is the program and everything that we'll was see. set up for him done it? We'll see. Yeah, I don't know. And I have nothing against Mr. Chris personally. It's just analytically <laughs> it he's like terrible. Yeah. He's I think terrible he just, analytically. I think he purposefully looks like he doesn't know what he's doing over there and then he's maybe a genius. A not quiet genius. Did you just yeah, he, when you look at him on the sideline, oh. you just, it's not he like... He wears, like, the plain gray, like, sweatshirt. <laughs> it's a like, crew neck with it's just very, the red Wisconsin on it. It's very it's deceptive. Stale, yeah, when, when Wisconsin's buried in the Big Ten West in three years, you guys remember this conversation because there's a 90% chance I'll have been fired by then, okay? <laughs> I can do that. Uh, speaking of hot takes, I think Brent has one uh, calling in here on Hawk Central. Hey, Brent. Hey, guys. Hey, I was just going to make two comments. Uh, the first being... Even if Wisconsin was to run the table, they're not getting into the playoff with that loss to BYU. They're considered a B-level program, which, I, again, I have great respect for, for Wisconsin. But unless you're that upper crust, you're not getting in with a loss. And that would be the same. Well, uh, same would be true with Iowa. And the second uh, take is I, I just see us, us as in Iowa losing a few more games. Um, and the reason I say that is we just placed such a low-scoring brand of football. We're going to yeah. keep some teams that have no business being in the game in the game. And if anything goes wrong, just like it did the other night, somebody's going to sneak out a win or two on us that we're not expecting. And I, so I, I see a, a several more losses. I I don't think that our, our chances of getting back in the title hunt are even there. So, but what could happen is if Wisconsin loses a couple and we lose a couple, somebody like Purdue could sneak in into the West. Um, but they end up kind of turning things around. So that'll be kind of interesting to see. Yeah, thanks for the call, Brent. I appreciate it. I feel like a lot of Iowa fans think that they'll probably slip up a timer just because you've seen it. Yeah, I I wrote this article today. Actually, I posted today that in the last eight years, which is since the Orange Bowl win in 2010, Iowa has lost 17 times in eight years as a favorite. Okay, um, 12 of those times they've been more than three and a half or more than a field goal. So hmm. a, a game and a half per year they lose, but they also win about a game a year as an underdog. So if you balance that out, you're going to and and you figure out the rest of the schedule, I historically speaking, if you go by that, you've got you're looking at a 9 and 3 Iowa team this year. What do you guys think about his first comment? Cuz I think if Wisconsin wins out, there's so much head to head with all these at teams Michigan, at Penn State and then yeah, beat Ohio State. They would the Big absolutely I think be in the playoff. I agree. I think a lot of How do you keep them out? When the loss happens, Unless like if it's if they Notre somehow Dame's 12 and 0. Yeah. And, yeah. You know. That's true. Notre Dame could screw up a lot of yeah. things this year if they go twelve and zero. Yeah, and that'll be a major debate too. I mean, I don't know how you keep a twelve and zero Notre Dame out. You can't. No way. Yeah, but they would be in. But their schedule's garbage after yeah. this week. They, after I mean, they would have wins over Stanford and Michigan. No, after this week though, we're saying it's a it's a yeah. it's oh, a joke. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, 
I mean, I'm I wouldn't keep them out either. Right. I'm just saying, like it's gonna you're gonna put them up against a conference champion with potentially like 12 wins in a um, in a conference championship game. It's gonna be really heated down the stretch. But again, they're Notre Dame. You're not gonna keep them out. I I wouldn't keep them out. Um, but it, it'll it'll certainly make things more interesting. All right. Earlier today, Chad, you caught up with Ken O'Keefe. Is that correct? Yeah, and our rotating assistant coach interviews had to do this one in person just because of the weird schedules today. So, bye week. Yeah. What is the bye week like there? Uh, this week they did it a little different. They practiced like a normal week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. A lot of the backups though are getting the one reps. Gotcha. And Ken O'Keefe actually addresses that. But now they're off the rest of the week. Essentially, it's kind of their break. Okay. Like they don't have ga- they don't have game prep Friday and game Saturday. So. Gotcha. All right, we're gonna hear that interview, Chad's interview with Ken O'Keefe from earlier today. That's coming up next here on fourteen sixty KXNS. Everything you need to know about the Hawkeyes, it's Hawk Central with the Des Moines Register, powered by G-Mig's Fifth Street Pub on 1460 KXNO. Welcome back to Hawk Central. This is Chad Leistico of the Des Moines Register, and I am happy to be joined by Iowa quarterbacks coach Ken O'Keefe for this segment. Ken, how are you? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, different uh, sound, I guess, to this this week's radio interview because it is a bye week, and so our all of our schedules are a little bit different. Um, and let's start there, I guess, on the bye week. Uh, as a coaching staff, uh, you hear it all the time from Kirk Ferentz, you know, you, you know, a time to regroup, a time to kind of assess things. What is your process uh, during this one week you get off during the season? Well, there's a bunch of things that actually take place. Uh, you know, the major focus is always trying to develop some of the younger guys uh, in the program that haven't had a mm-hmm. chance to get the reps in practice that we would maybe have liked them to have. Uh, and we try to spend a lot of time fundamentally, technique-wise, trying to improve their skills. And then we try to do it group-wise as well, uh, You know, where they're going to get seven-on-seven periods, uh, nine-on-sevens, uh, team periods, things like that, that they normally don't get a lot of reps in because they're too busy running the scout teams and doing, mm-hmm. you know, doing other stuff to help us get ready for Saturday's ball game. So the focus has been on that for the most part uh, almost every bye week that I've ever been here at, uh, at the University of Iowa, and it was no different sure. this week either. Well, I have to imagine the backup quarterbacks then would get very excited for the bye week because they get a chance to do more, right? I sure. Mean, yep. So give me a sense of maybe Peyton Manziel and, and Spencer Petras, what you're seeing from them this week. Yeah, you know, they have a, you know they get a different chance to you know to do some different things like uh, you know today uh, you know Peyton ran with the first group uh, during a two minute drill so he really hasn't been up with them very sure. much doing anything along those lines and then Spencer's taken most of the developmental uh, reps in the team periods uh, that we've run basically after the first and second groups are done with practice uh, you know he's he's gotten all those rather than. Uh, you know, just uh, work on individual uh, things like drops or, uh, you know, routes versus air with, you know, with wide receivers, things like that, that he can pick up after practice. But this is, you know, this has been a lot better because he's actually doing a seven on seven. He's, he's working uh, his way through some team periods as well and gets to see what, you know, what it's like in that pocket again. Yeah. Well, one of the nice things of having uh, the assistants on the show during the season is, you know, we can ask some questions about that depth. We see Nate Stanley every week, but we don't see those backup guys. So maybe give us a sense of maybe how 
how prepared a Peyton Manziel would be if if all you know if Nate went down. I mean, has he made that type of progress that you need to see for him to feel for sure. you to feel comfortable if he goes into a ball game? Well, it doesn't matter whether I feel comfortable <laughs> or not. He's going in if That's anything true. happens. So yeah. just in case you know, just in case you were wondering about that. Uh, <laughs> No, you know, that, that's not that's not that's not part of uh, anything that uh, you know anybody's going to be worried about. Um, but you know, the bottom line is, and I don't care if you're you're the high school level, the uh, the college level, or or in the NFL, the uh, backups never get the same number of mm-hmm. reps that sure. you know the starters do. You know, and in the NFL, the starter gets almost every rep, and the backup gets virtually nothing you know mm. so it's all mental preparation the um uh at, at this level obviously you know we're gonna you know we're gonna we're gonna make sure that the backup gets x number of reps every week yeah uh you know the percentage of reps varies from time to time but you know you've got to make sure that he's ready to operate the uh, offenses you know as uh, as best as he's possible you know as, as best he's capable of and and uh you know, if we can get that done in a third of the reps, we're going to try to do that and, and give the you know give, mm-hmm. give the first guy more. If we if it takes you know uh, you know forty percent, maybe we'll up it a little bit. But that's they never get the exact same number that the other guys do. The starters Makes do. Sense. It's just impossible to get uh, to get done. And the, and then the next guy down the line gets uh gets less he only he may get a few repeat plays here and there mm-hmm. and uh, we're always trying to you know um encourage him to take mental reps uh you know behind you know behind the huddle uh you know which uh you know which Spencer's been great at you know and, and uh you know there are times when even in the camera he he fits into the picture and we can see exactly when he's getting <laughs> whether he's getting the ball off on time or not <laughs> All right, well, let's talk about uh, your starting quarterback in the most recent game, the Wisconsin game. Um, in my opinion, I thought he played really, really well for three quarters. Uh, missed a, Maybe missed a couple throws in the fourth. I mean, I guess how would you evaluate uh, his performance in that game? Well, you know, as uh, you know, we're 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 already off that ball game and onto you know onto Minnesota right sure. now at this stage. But, you know, Nate continues to get better and improve. You know, each game that he plays during the course of the season, and and uh, you know that hasn't changed. He, uh, you know, is, is is making a lot of good decisions. Um, he, he knows how to operate the offense, which is absolutely what we need him to do. And, you know, during the course of a game, uh, you know, things are going to happen. You know, he may miss a throw here or there. And and, uh, those are things that he's working hard on this week to get better at and improve on so that, you know, he he gets them the next time. Is there anything – because I thought he was hitting his throws a lot better the last two weeks. Um, Is there anything he – he has you have identified on the instances where he is not hitting those throws with him what can can you coach him through those things or is it just sort of like a mystery a little bit well you know there really nothing's a mystery after you look at the tape you know <laughs> the, the uh, True. <laughs> you know the bottom line is it's it's a lot you know once you start to play the games uh you know and you're facing different people uh you know the the timing of everything is a little bit different obviously than it was you get in a rhythm in preseason you know versus your own defense and you know them like the back of your hand and now you're starting to see some different stuff which you know uh you know can affect uh you know can affect uh, the you know the timing of everything that's taking place but that's what you need to work through right away 
uh, in the beginning of the year and and, uh, and and improve each game that you play. And and uh, you know I think Nate's Nate's on the right track to do that. One thing I want to get your take on this because one thing he doesn't improvise a lot, but it seems like when he does, he makes some pretty spectacular plays. I mean, probably the most spectacular throw of the year the other day was an improvised. I mean, that was that was definitely an improvised, and he came out and he threw it. I think about press box high, and it came down. I mean, is that when is that kind of can he do more of that? And is he pretty good in those situations when he does kind of get out out loose in the pocket? Right, he's capable, you know, of uh, you know of moving his feet and uh, and improvising, as you're saying. You know, I think all quarterbacks, in order to be able to help their teams, are going to have to get out of that mm-hmm. pocket from time to time and make plays. Uh, you know, that are going to you know sort of be things that you you know you usually see in the on the playground or in the backyard <laughs> or uh, in the streets, and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and most of those guys have dreamed of making those kinds of plays their whole lives and the receivers have done the same types of things. But, uh, you know, if you can make a play uh, or two or three during the course of the game, it really, you know, slows that, slows that defense down a little yeah, bit and makes, right. them, makes them play a lot more honest. One thing I've also liked about his game, and it seems like he's getting better at it, is kind of, he's almost got that like sidearm. I know he's a baseball pitcher. He's got almost that sidearm flip throw. Or he, he threw that to Marset the other day. I think it was a 13-yard game on the gain on the side. Right. It seems like that he's he's able to mix up his arm angles a little bit too, and that's kind of interesting. You don't see that a lot. Right. Well, yeah, pitchers normally don't mix up their arm angles. <laughs> you know, maybe the shortstop or second baseman. Uh, uh, did it. True. Although I, I saw today, this day in history, that this is, this day in history, uh, the fourth pitcher in the ro- rotation, or maybe it was Jim Palmer, I can't remember, was the uh, fourth pitcher in the Orioles' rotation uh, to win 20 games in one year. <laughs> one year believe wow. it or not. But anyway, back to good uh, stuff. Ba- you know, ba- back to. <laughs> I know um, you were the baseball coach, uh, right? Back <laughs> in Kirk Ferentz's, uh, you ba- know. Back uh, Worcester you know, Academy days. Back to uh, arm angles. Uh, you know, yeah, you've got to be able to fit the ball here and there, especially when you're on the move. You know, to mm-hmm. get it where it has to go. So, you know, some of those different platforms that it comes out of, uh, you know, can can help. Do you like where the offense is going? It feels like the last two weeks we've seen a lot more uh, explosiveness, a lot more consistency on first down. I mean, have you seen that type of growth? Are you seeing that growth? Sure, you know, I, you know, I, uh, you know, we're, we're, you know, we, you know, we like what we do. Um, you know, we, uh, we want to be able to run the ball, throw the ball accurately, use the play action. You know, things that we normally, uh, you know, f- you know, fit into the the way we do things offensively, and and uh, you know, it it doesn't always show up right away uh, at times, but you know, as long as we keep working through things, play physical football, play smart. Uh, you know, it'll uh, it'll be there. Got just a few more minutes here with Ken O'Keefe here on Hawk Central. Uh, just kind of some wild off, not offbeat questions, but just sort of you know, uh, kind of off the beaten path questions. Did you ever call plays from the press box at Iowa? Or were you always on the field? Never, no, always on the field. Okay, because we I just asked we just asked Brian Ferentz about you know he he was in the press box last year, obviously on the field this year. Was there any? What did you like about being on the field, and was that you? Obviously, you're still on the field as quarterbacks coach, right? I've seen yes. you down there. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And what what advantages does that give you? Well, you can look, you know, you can look the quarterback in the eye and have a, you know, a, 
a real conversation and know, you know, try not to, you know, try not to upset him. I don't want to upset anybody <laughs> on that field. Uh, you know, the, um, but the, uh, you know, you can get a lot of things straight, you know, before, uh, you know, as a coordinator, it helps a little bit to be down there because you can communicate actively with each mm-hmm. group, uh, you know, at each position right there on the bench. You can go down there and communicate anything you, you know, you want yeah, to right. as, as opposed to, uh, you know, just through a headset, you know, and, and uh, it's a haven't been up in the box for, uh, you know, the, the my time in the NFL. It's kind of a sterile oh, environment yeah, right. as well. Yeah. Um, and uh, it. um you know, it's it's not it's not like a video game uh, necessarily, but at times it gives you that gives you that feel. But uh, you know, you um, you can get a little bit more organized, uh, you know, up in the box potentially. But I think Brian mm-hmm. does a great job. You know, whether he's you know whether he's down or whether he's up in the box, I think really he just you know was kind of lonely and missed uh, missed everybody else. Uh, <laughs> And that, that's, a, that's, that's what he said. Yeah, that was his answer. <laughs> um, I, this wasn't on my list, but I'll put you on the on the spot here. See if you come up with anything. In your um, many years as offensive coordinator at Iowa, were there any? We talked about interactions with quarterbacks on the field. Were there any that stick out to you in your memory as, wow, that was a productive conversation. He really changed his game after that, or, or something like that. That um, you know, a, a particular game, etc. You know, productive. Smiling, yeah, yes. it's it, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This one, you know, this one's down a different path altogether, yeah. which is you know, which is fine. Um, Off script. Yeah, there's a couple, you know, that you can remember. You know, I think one was uh, you know, we were playing Indiana and we had a giant comeback in the fourth quarter, and Stanzi. Uh, oh nine. Yeah, Stanzi had thrown a bunch of interceptions, most of them into the wind, uh, in one direction. And I can remember, you know, you know, saying to Rick, Rick, I cannot remember ever coaching a guy that threw four interceptions in a game. And uh, you know, Stanzi turns to me and said, "Hey, coach, I threw five. You know, so <laughs> you know, I don't know if you know." There wasn't anything we did, uh, you know, to help him. We just ran the same plays that that we had missed on earlier, and it all worked out, um, you know. But you know, those kinds of things, uh, you know, happen from time to time. Uh, you know, I can, you know, I can remember asking Brian when he ran off the field one time after uh, um, after we threw a pass against, believe it or not, against Minnesota uh, years ago, where um, one of our, you know. It was a a pass off of a reverse that uh, got thrown to uh, Ed Hankel, uh, mm-hmm. and um, you know I had not called that in the in, in the play, but oh, we, okay, <laughs> uh, we had practiced uh, we had practiced it all week, but I did not call the play actually, I, and uh, what happened was uh, Drew uh, Tate. Uh, you know, uh, you know, thought I had wanted to call the play, and he, oh, really? <laughs> and he called it, and so it ended up uh, in, being a little bit different than uh, mm. uh, than what we had intended it to be. But it worked out anyway because Hinkle scored. But you know, uh, those are the things uh, you know that from time to time can happen, uh, you know, on the field that make it a little bit more memorable, I guess. I wish we would have gone off script earlier. That was a fun answer. Yeah. But I know we're out of time here, but. Uh, Thanks for joining us. Uh, always, always a pleasure to have you on the show, and maybe with any luck, we'll talk to you this summer on Hawk Central. Sounds good. Thanks, Ken. Take care.
Everything you need to know about the Hawkeyes. It's Hawk Central with the Des Moines Register, powered by G-Mig's Fifth Street Pub on 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back. What's going on? Thank you, Sean. Welcome back to Hawk Central. It was a quick segment. Jeez. <laughs> uh, great interview with Ken O'Keefe. <laughs> Thanks. Strong finish. Yeah, it was. He, he kind of lightened up there. That was cool. Uh, hey, Mark Emmert joins us via the telephone here on Hawk Central with the uh, Des Moines Register on 1460 KXNO. Mark, um, all three of Iowa's coordinators were available uh, for, for conversation today. What did you learn? What did we learn about the Hawkeyes during the bye week? Well, um, not a great deal. <laughs> I mean, we already knew about the Nick Neiman injury. That's probably the biggest development. He got a yep. defensive play against uh, against Wisconsin, and we did not know that until yesterday when Kirk Ferentz uh, dropped that bit of news on us on a teleconference. Uh, he out for, they said, a couple weeks, which uh, it's a hamstring, which I think it might be. We don't know how that's going to respond. So they're going to have to scramble a little bit more at linebacker. They've been kind of doing that all year anyway. There's a lot of guys moving in and out of that, uh, that rotation. But it looks like Barrington Way will get the first chance to uh, replace Neiman. I don't know. I don't know about that. Yeah. yeah. He's going to get it. Maybe Welch, you're thinking? Well, he, Phil Parker mentioned Christian Welch today. He said yeah, we've been sliding him over there. You know, Maybe that's – and then uh, an outside linebacker, which makes me think they like Jimon Colbert at weak side. But, but – Wade is the next man in at that position. But their three best would probably be Hockaday, Welch, and Colbert. Sorry to interject. Go ahead. No, that, that could be that. That could be how it ends up, absolutely. I think the uh, parents said they're going to take this week to kind of tinker with it a little bit, which I guess the week is already over practice-wise. So, mm-hmm. well, I don't know what they found out in these last three days, and we'll find out, I guess, next Saturday when they play Minnesota. But that's probably the biggest uh, news of this bye week. I thought it was interesting. She had uh, the, the question about A.J. Epinesa's a snap count keeps coming up. And... Uh, and fans never like the answer, but never. Uh, I don't Joe like Parker that answer. Said, uh, I don't either. Like actually, twenties. Uh, they're trying to keep him fresh, and uh, the like impact he can have on the game more by limiting his snap count. And that's uh, that's kind of the answer that fans gave me yesterday too. So it does sound like they're not necessarily cha- planning to change that rotation. So uh, uh, yeah, I guess <laughs> it is kind of curious because the guy does lead the team in sacks before and, and almost had another one against Wisconsin. The- Maybe should have had one there, but they review that play. The guy is a total freak show out there in a, in a very positive way. Mitch, you're the Hawk fan. What do you think? Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. More? You want more of them or you yeah, like every 25 it's, snaps? No, it's hard to what when you left? when you yeah, when you see the 25 <laughs> snaps and how much production you're getting, you realize why I was doing it, but it's hard to not ask for more snaps out there, right? And you obviously would expect that the gas tank would be a little uh, more empty. Do they have like a it, when Ference is talking about this? Does he have like? Well, I did it with this guy and it worked. Like what? No. Where, where are they getting this from? They just be, their knowledge of him yeah. that they see in practice. Well, I mean, they've never had a five star recruit. I yeah, think. so yeah, just, we've ever seen the situation. I mean, never. Obviously, you would think the guy would be starting if he's, but they they do like the two guys ahead of him. I I do too. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But. Uh, yeah, I, I can tell you this. I talked to uh, AJ after the game Saturday, uh, just the two of us for a while. I'm going to have a feature about him for his Sunday's register that I think the readers are going to like because, uh, you know, he's a very well-spoken man. He's not going to cause any waves. He loves Parker Hesse. He said mm-hmm. he's honored to be Parker Hesse's backup. He says everything you want to hear. 
Uh, he does admit that he's a little fresher as a result of this rotation, but he also feels like uh, I think he feels like he could give him a little bit more if they wanted it. And uh, I was wondering if they're still not happy with his run defense. I, I can't think mm-hmm. of any reason why they would not play him. He looks good to me. <laughs> <laughs> Man, if that's a problem. I mean, here, okay. Yeah. Uh, let me just say the one reason I I don't like the answer, but then I'll go into the reasons why I understand the answer. I understand it, too. Yeah, yeah okay. reason I don't like it is because here's the guy. He He's the guy that accounts for the most big plays in the defense, period. Yeah. And you want a guy out there that might make a big play, a fumble, a sack, whatever, as much as possible. Even if he maybe misses a tackle on the run and it goes for five yards instead of two. Uh, that said, here are – I understand that when he comes in on third down, he is absolutely fresher and and mm-hmm. has a better chance to make those big plays. And then one other little hidden point that I, w- I kind of wish Phil Parker would have mentioned, because I think there's some validity to this. Obviously, Anthony Nelson and Parker Essie are two of the best players in the team also, so it's not like you're – it's not like he's sitting behind scrubs. Correct. I mean, Hesse has the most starts of anybody on the team. Um, but – Let's say come November, that's when you start seeing tired legs, especially on defense. I mean, if if they are preserving him a little bit now, he could really be a force in those November games. You know, that's fair. Where, where he's you know getting forty, fifty snaps and, and looking like he's in month one. Possibility. The, the tricky part to me about it too is what you just said, Chad. Is that it's not there's there's not scrubs ahead of him, but I still always. Kind of like that mantra of don't you want your best players out yeah. there as much as possible? Exactly. Yeah. And so if if you view it as if you look at it through that prism, you, I, I kind of would like him out there a little bit more. But I understand the thinking yeah. and the logic behind it. The other thing Which I'd like to, to know a fan, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. That's a good point. Same thing. Yeah, fans getting not as many snaps as people would like. Speaking of fan, uh, that's what Troy called in about. Troy and Urbandale, welcome to Hawk Central. Hi guys, great show and. Tough game, but good signs for the rest of the season, I guess. Um, <laughs> do you um, do you see them playing Fant and Hawkinson more together? I I think you can match Fan up with anybody, including a corner, with his size. I don't and his speed. I don't mm-hmm. see the hesitancy to do that at times. Uh, another couple questions um, in a low possession game. Did you have any comments on the the first possession last week? Um, We've seen so many games come down to three points between Iowa and Wisconsin. And then the third question, um, do you think Iowa's going to get a counter game going? I, I know they use the fly sweep, um, li- like the counter with, with the offensive lineman getting out and moving. Thank you. Thanks, Troy. All right, start with the Noah Fant one. You know, Noah Fant and Hawkinson. He and Hawkinson, he and Hawkinson are playing a lot together yeah. already. I mean, they're, they're yeah. throwing Weeding out there as well. More uh, Weeding's a better blocker than Fant. I mean, Fan is not is the worst blocker of the three, but yeah, I, they also had him in one play the other day where he was out wide like a wide receiver. He could do that. I think he could do that anytime he wants to because he was matched up against a five ten corner and you just throw a hitch route to him, mm-hmm. and he's fast enough to run deep on the guy. So he, it's not like the guy can play press on him. So I would throw him out wide more as just a receiver. I mean, yeah, he's six five two forty one and he's one of the fastest players on the team. Anyway. What was the second question? second one was, do you question the early drive where they went for on fourth one? I, I said actually earlier this week to Chris that it, hindsight's twenty twenty. I actually loved the move at the time, even though they didn't get it. Because yeah. to me, a touchdown in that game, even, because you know there's going to be limited possession, seven points almost feels like seven and a half or, or eight points 
when you get an early touchdown in a, in a game like that against yeah. Wisconsin. And I, I remember some of Kirk's earlier years where he wouldn't go for it in these situations on fourth and one, and a lot of fans would mm-hmm. would rail on him for not going for it. So I actually like, even though it backfired and they didn't get it, I didn't look back in afterwards and say, man, they shouldn't have gone for it. I actually liked that they went for it. Well, and, and what I know from behind the scenes on this is that if they had not reviewed that play and there wasn't all the confusion after the, the spot of Larry Kelly Martin's third down play, they had a play called that they believe would have been a touchdown, and it was not a sneak. But after the timeout, they they changed formation, went to the sneak call. Hmm. Obviously, it didn't work. So you just—it's just another one of those what ifs. Yeah, uh, and that's man hindsight. You know, it's so easy to sit there and blow them up for that, right? Mark, thanks, Coaches man. Felt comfortable with it. Uh, Thank you, guys. School Vikings tomorrow night. Oh, jeez, that's tomorrow. Big game, <laughs> yeah, Rams Vikings. Yeah. I'll be at Soldier Field again Sunday. Rams are going to win by four touchdowns tomorrow. (laughs) Uh, What's the spread? uh, Seven. Rams? Yeah. Chad Lysico for Mark Emmer, Mitch Widmeyer. So long. Cardinals and the Brewers. Big one in the NL Central next.